Well, hello everyone. I'm your host, Cindy Ketzel. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Nine to Thrive HR. In this podcast, we team up with experts to bring you the best in HR, talent management, and business strategy. Today, I am joined by Mark Marone. He is a Director of Research and Thought Leadership at American Management Association. Mark is responsible for developing research-based insights and compelling points of view to support business development globally. He has over 20 years of experience in the training and performance improvement industry, and more than 10 years of those were in research and development. Welcome, Mark. We're so excited to have you. Thank you, Cindy. Thank you for having me. Good to We're be so happy to have you. And I know we had a chance to chat before um, we hopped on today, and this topic of innovation is so topical for uh, what's going on uh, in our new world of work today. So I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. I am as well. Thank you. Yeah. So as a matter of fact, I was sharing with you, I had just recently taught a class this week, and one of the topics that we had talked about was innovation. And so I know, you know, not just in workshops and webcasts, podcasts and conferences, but innovation has just been a really hot button for a lot of organizations for quite some time. But can you just level set with us and tell us exactly what is innovation and why do you think it is particularly important now? Sure, absolutely. Well, there are a lot of definitions out there, if you will, and we've sort of adopted one and cobbled some pieces together. But at the end of the day, innovation really is the process of generating, developing, and implementing new and useful or valuable processes, services, or products. And, you know, quite often people think of innovation as a new shiny product, a new Apple iPhone, the technology products, if you will. Uh, but there are really many different types of innovation. I, I think this is what I'd like to focus on more today because I think it's more relevant, I think, to our listeners and to many organizations in general who may not necessarily be those software or tech companies who are focused on the product innovation. And so there are things like process innovation. Uh, you think about, as an example, Amazon's you know, using robots in their warehouse or uh, VW, who recently came out with a a global marketing strategy, uh, innovation strategy, if you will. We often hear about delivery innovation, supply chain, drone delivery, and that type of thing. Uh, Business model innovation is another example. Um, Zipcar is a very good example of that, the car sharing service. And there are a lot of innovations in customer experience today. Uh, In retail, we hear things like text-to-shop, one-click ordering, uh, anywhere on the internet. But I think many of our listeners might be interested in what are some important innovations they may not think of innovations. And those are such things as workforce innovations, right? So as we think about moving into a hybrid workplace, how do we design that? How do we design that working with contractors, gig workers, uh, who will remain remote, who will come to the office? Those are strategic decisions that really require an innovative process and innovative thinking. And then there are cultural strategies environment, social governance, uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, and those types of things. So the process by which you go by developing those product innovations we typically think about are very relevant and important for business innovations across the spectrum. So why is it important today? Um, You alluded to it, Cindy. You know, I think coming off of COVID, you know, 
in the last year, last two years, when COVID first hit, companies had to be innovative. You know, everyone went into this state of chaos in crisis and people were able to come up with new ideas and how do we transform our business? How do we pivot? Uh, how do we take what we do well and uh, faced with no demand? How do we move that into a production, if you will, that does have demand? And you, you see a lot of companies who, for example, who manufactured clothing and things like this, who shifted to PPE. But I think as you noted too, coming off of COVID, we really have this new competition and this ongoing change, this, this VUCA world, if you will, as technology transformation has really accelerated because of COVID and it's accelerated competition. Uh, we hear touchless technologies, automation in the workplace. Uh, so all of these are really part of you know, innovation, why it's important. And I think maybe something that the listeners would be particularly interested in is, is really the impact of this great resignation in threatening organizations' ability to innovate. And we know as people leave the jobs and leave the organizations, there's this loss of mindshare and there's loss of institutional history and knowledge. And we see in some of our research that this has been detrimental to many organizations' ability to innovate. Yeah, I'm just jotting down a lot of notes. It's so interesting, Mark, because my frame of reference, you're absolutely right. I, as soon as you started talking about some of this technology innovation and and what organizations have done and you're and you're talking about those, and I'm like, oh right, because my brain does go to workforce innovation, cultural innovation. That's where my brain goes. But as you start, I love the, the zip car. I'm like, oh my gosh, I had totally forgotten about this. I mean, even like a company like Airbnb, think about years ago, right? Didn't exist, but it was one person's innovation, if you will, to say, hey, I'm going to sleep on someone's couch. Oh my gosh, now we've got this huge business. Um, but yeah, I appreciate that you brought in. And like you said, especially for our listeners, hearing that we're not just talking about software and technology, although my gosh, you are so right that companies have had to innovate, especially supply chain, especially demand supply, you know, just to find new ways. You'd mentioned too that even some clothing manufacturers starting to create PPE. So there's been so many Thank different you, types Cindy. of innovation. I was all over the place there. I'm <laughs> It's all over the place. I'm glad you followed. <laughs> yeah, no, I gotcha. Oh, yeah, I gotcha. Um, and, and having to create these new ideas. And so, like I said, you started talking about the technology and software piece. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that type of innovation. I am thinking about how companies have had to pivot internally and think about their workforce and think about their culture and what that's going to look like. So I'm so glad that you kind of sliced that up a little bit and gave us a nice um, infrastructure, if you will, of innovation. Sure. Which makes me think, Mark, I know, you know, based on what I know about you and, and your time in research and development, can you then share with us a little bit about what you have seen with some of that latest research on innovation? Yeah, absolutely. Well, we just recently conducted a study. Um, you know, we really wanted to get a better understanding and know more about what makes highly innovative organizations different from others. And to really uncover those key drivers at the organizational and the leader level so that we could really pinpoint, you know, what, what can managers do? What can uh, HR and learning development leaders do to help drive innovation throughout the organization? And, you know, we found a lot of various different things that I think are interesting. 
Um, one of which is that those organizations who identified themselves as more highly innovative were much more likely to say that innovation was part of their daily job and that their organization facilitated learning and knowledge and information sharing. Uh, and there are many other factors from the organizational level I think you know, I'd like to talk about a bit later. But getting back to you know, why we conducted this study, one of the main reasons as well was that this great resignation really, I think, is an opportunity for organizations to work to capture really smart people in the organization to, to really work on focusing on how to maximize their innovative potential. And so we conducted a study across 11 countries. We got about 6,000 responses of um, full-time employees, 21 years of older. And really ultimately we found that there are some key things that both organizations and managers can do and, and need to do to drive innovation in the organization and really make it part of the everyday work. And, and this, I think, Cindy, is something that maybe a lot of companies don't think about when they think about innovation. Again, they could probably fall back to, well, we have an R&D, we have an IT department, or we have this new product development department. But really, we found those companies that are highly innovative, they make it part of everyone's job. And they really work this process of innovation into the flow of work. But as we developed this model of innovation from the study, uh, we found that these things that the organization and managers can do really are intended to drive really three key areas that help to facilitate innovative work behaviors. And the first one is what we call identified motivation. I mean, we hear about intrinsic motivation and we, we make a, a distinction between that and the data has suggested as such that intrinsic motivation, for example, is, is really when people do something because they wanna do it, because they gain pleasure or personal satisfaction from it. Identified motivation is really when they do it because they want to be part of a larger purpose. They, they know that and they're excited by coming up with solutions for problems and working to generate creative ideas that lead to an ultimate a mission or objective. And this really kind of points to right from the organizational level, having that clear purpose and mission so that people understand what it is that they're trying to be innovative for. Why do we come up with these creative ideas? What problems are we trying to find solutions to? So that identified motivation is really important. The second one is this continuous growth of skills and knowledge. Steve Jobs was very famous for us by saying that creativity is really just connecting the dots. And we recently see a lot of articles that talk about where organizations are finding creativity and finding innovative ideas outside of their company, and even outside of their industry at oftentimes. So it's imperative, I think, and our data really supports this, that companies really strongly focus on this continued growth of skills and knowledge, bringing together diversity of ideas and perspectives and backgrounds and cultures and information because it's this variety of ideas that come together that really spark creativity. And then the third one that organizations and managers really need to focus on is creating this climate for innovation. And by that, I mean things like being open to risk-taking. Uh, creating that environment of psychological safety where people feel free and welcome to 
uh, offer ideas and suggestions, uh, where you had that healthy conflict of going back and forth. So you have an idea and you bring it to the team and they have this conflict around it and they, and they vet to come up with the best idea. And Pixar, of course, have been very famous for this and bringing together lots of people when you have a, uh, a new script or a new idea for, for a movie, they bring everyone together and they say, look, how can we make this better? How can we come up with a, a more creative or innovative way of doing this? So those are some of the findings. We have some other data too, Cindy, if you're interested in here, we can go over that as well. Yeah, I definitely would love to hear that. I want to just step back just for a moment, just for our listeners to go back through these three areas and make sure I've gotten it right. Um, you said some of those key findings were around identified motivation. Am I saying that right? Identified, yes, correct? Yes. Okay. Um, continuous growth and knowledge. And then the third was creating a climate for innovation. Exactly. Do I, yeah. do I have those right? And it's interesting. And I don't want you to lose your spot because I do want to hear what more you have to say about that data. But it's interesting because when I hear this terminology, I think of a culture of learning. Like this is the same language that we use, growth mindset, um, transferable skills, um, always taking risks. I love you said taking risks, right? Or bringing new ideas to the table, which also we know research shows that diverse teams, right? We are a higher performance when we have a diverse team because we are coming from different backgrounds and thoughts and think differently and, and can be innovative in that way. So yeah, it just, that connection is when you were talking, the light bulb went on for me and I was like, whoa, that's very similar or complementary to organizations that believe in their idea of that learning culture. So I, I just, I, I love that connection there. So yeah, Mark, if you wanted to share, you said, you mentioned you had a, you could share a little bit more if you could, that would be great. Yeah. When, when we're somewhat in the early stages of analyzing the data, I didn't mention that this uh, survey was just launched last month. So it's very, very fresh. And, um, you know, I think what some of the initial data really points to is this tremendous opportunity that organizations have to better enable innovative work behaviors and maximizing their people's you know, innovative potential, if you will. You know, as for example, we found in the study that just 17% of respondents had considered their own organizations highly innovative. And a good chunk of the respondents came from IT industries, manufacturing, software. So that was kind of interesting. Something else that I think that we found really points to this, this huge opportunity companies have, and it's that just four in 10, 40%, said they had an idea to change or improve something at work that they did not bother to share. And so we just think about that. I mean, you look in our company and four out of 10 have had an idea to improve something they didn't bother to share. Well, why? And when we looked at that by minority group, we found that those who consider themselves a minority, 53% said that they had something to share that they didn't bother doing. And so there's a really opportunity there, I think, Organizations need to kind of evaluate, well, why is that, why might that be happening in my company? You know, I mentioned earlier about the importance of innovation really being part of everyone's job. In our study, 23% strongly agreed that being innovative is part of their job. Now, when we asked that of highly innovative companies, it was 62% versus 15% for all others. 
So we really see, again, it points to that thing that maybe many of the organizations really don't think about is, are we making everyone feel that innovation is part of the job? You know, from a manager standpoint, again, there are some startling figures, I think, that offer room for opportunity. 26% strongly agreed that their managers encouraged them to come forward with new ideas. Just a bit more than one in four said that their managers encouraged them. So again, uh, opportunity for, for looking at our own organizations, looking at our managers and saying, are they actively reaching out, welcoming, providing the autonomy to be innovative and think creatively, rewarding creativity? And by the way, for those highly innovative companies, that was 64% who said their managers encouraged them to come forward. So again, huge opportunity, I think, uh, for organizations to enhance their innovation potential. About 18% said they consistently try new ways of doing things at work. Just 18%. And you think if we even had 50%, how much more, how much better everything would be, uh, might be, with even respect to a process or something that makes something in the company work better than it did before. These are such great statistics. And I think what keeps coming to mind as I think about these statistics, well, well, first of all, Mark, is this the the report you're referring to? Is that something that has been published? Do we have access to that? We're not uh, quite yeah. yet. As I mentioned, I'm, I'm just finishing up the analysis and we'll be writing a white paper uh, research report that, that that we'll publish. Perfect. Yeah, I just, I again, just to give our listeners some knowledge about that. Yeah, I heard you say that you were finishing that, but I just wanted to double check. So I think what's standing out for me is so how do we, and maybe this is in terms of, you know, thinking about what can our leaders do, um, you know, what do our manager, managers or leaders, uh, whatever language you'd use there to foster that innovation? Because what I'm hearing from you is this contrast, right? 70%, 40%, 15%, 64%, right? So I'm hearing this gap. So what can our leaders do to help build that or create that climate for innovation? Sure. And in our study, we looked at a host of different drivers or enablers, if you will. And there were you know, a handful that really came out on top. And some of those, for example, is really having a strong sense of purpose and communicating that purpose. And I mentioned uh, earlier about why that's important for motivation, particularly for that identified motivation, right? People need to understand why it is they're coming up with a new idea. Or wh what's the focus of that, right? What's the uh, the ultimate goal of uh, searching for a problem to a solution or a solution to a problem rather? The learning and development is really, really important. Uh, you had mentioned that and looking for Innovative ideas and knowledge from outside the organization is something that's really, really important. Uh, as people come together and they generate creative ideas individually as a teams, the more diversity a team can have with respect to backgrounds, perspectives, knowledge, culture, experiences, et cetera, the more innovative that company is, is going to be, the more innovative that team is going to be. And so organizations really need to then focus on creating and facilitating diversity of thought, thinking about in their hiring practices, 
um, even in working with people or moving people around within the organization on various projects, do we have a variety of perspectives here uh, as we're thinking about a particular problem? So, you know, maybe oftentimes a, a team will just get together and just be the marketing team. Well, do we have somebody from engineering or somebody from product in here? Or can we cross-pollinate these great ideas? And even from the outside, where can we bring in some diversity in knowledge? And so creating that diverse environment from the standpoint of knowledge and perspective, skills and background is really, really critical. And then I mentioned too, Cindy alluded to it, that psychological safety. And I think, you know, really this is, it's part of the organizational culture, certainly. Um, but we often see that it's the leader manager at the team level, which really has that critical role in creating psychological safety on the team as Particularly, we've been into a remote and now somewhat of a hybrid environment. Employees really communicating, interacting with fewer people outside of their team than they were before. You know, everybody's in the office and you run into different people and, you know, you see them in the lunchroom and you have conversations and you talk about different projects that you're working on. And, oh, I have, what about this idea? And we've lost some of that, of course, going remote and, and now hybrid. So I think it's really, really important that managers recognize that the people that are on their team are, are very, very tight and they're working with them day to day. It's important to create that psychological safety on that team, making it okay to take a risk, to make a mistake, right? Is my manager going to go off the handle if we try something and it fails or we make a mistake or uh, are they encouraging? And I showed that data, I talked about that data point a minute ago. Are they encouraging us to come forward with new ideas? Um, do others on the team engage and interact in sort of a healthy way of conflict where people feel free to question or to criticize in a healthy way? And, and that's really, really important. You know, we don't have this um, sort of group think where somebody in the team comes up with an idea and uh, everyone else says, yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. Really, nobody questions it. And then you have something really sort of substandard. So. Those are some of the things I could go on, but yeah, these are great. I'm as you're talking through, I'm I'm thinking about you know classes that I teach or as I mentioned workshops I've sat and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is just bringing it all together. And I never honestly thought about this as innovation of thought. You know, I just haven't put those two pieces together. So I'm really I I'm this is great, and I think it's great for our listeners too. Like you said. Some of us automatically think about the software and the technology and the cool stuff that's happening in that way of innovation. But what you're really shedding light on is we're talking about teams and, and keeping and making sure those teams um, have a trusting environment and gosh, healthy conflict, huge. And then being able to take a risk. And I always share that in my classes too. I will, I, I, I'm sure we all have an, a like, oh, crud moment that we've had that's been really big. And I always say to my classes, but it matters in how it was managed. Like, how was it managed afterwards? And that just tells you so much about the organization, right? And so that's what you're saying is, are we creating these cultures of innovation where if I feel comfortable to take a risk or maybe make a mistake and it's not ridiculed or talked down or, you know, not managed in a healthy manner, you're, that's now stunting 
you like you talked about the percentages, right? That's not saying I'm not going to come forward. <laughs> I'm not coming forward, but building that psychological safety in a team. And as you mentioned, with us being remote, you're right. We are only really getting that interaction with our team. So that importance of that manager to really help foster that even within the team. So this is great, Mark. I'm loving all of this. So I had two thoughts in my mind. And so whichever way you want to go first, whichever direction, I, I one, I, I'm curious because I, I we do have quite a few HR professionals on, you know, that listen into this podcast. So I have two thoughts. One is what your thoughts are around how can we in the HR field be supportive of this, uh, you know, environment? And my other thought is, um, what do you all do or an organization like yours, what would you do to help us to be more innovative? So whichever, wherever you want to start with that, but those are the two thoughts that I'm having as we move towards the end of our conversation here. Yeah, I'll start with your first thought. I think that, um, and I hope some of this is maybe kind of bubbled to the top for for some people and, and our listeners and, and what they could do specifically around learning and developing in HR. Certainly hiring and retaining the right people. Um, you know, when we think about the, having the diversity of opinions and ideas and perspective, you know, are there opportunities to make hiring practices, recruitment practices involve or address, right, this diversity of perspectives, ideas, you know, they're really bringing an outside perspective or might they think like everyone else in the organization? And certainly from, you know, uh, a diversity standpoint, and we think, but just in terms of the traditional way we think of diversity, people from um, different ethnicities, cultures, et cetera, hiring people from outside of the industry. And I, I know oftentimes recruiting is often just focused on, you know, who has that industry experience. I think certainly the learning and development, the upscaling and rescaling is really, really critical. And in a sense, innovation really can't be trained, but managers can be trained to enable their people to maximize innovative potential. Individuals can be trained to uh, learn how to think analytically and critically about problems so that they can more freely really develop creative ideas and encouraging people to go outside of the organization to learn. I can, again, I go back to Pixar. They do an incredible job. They have their, their internal university, but they really encourage all of their technicians, their software designers, their animators, what have you, to publish externally, to work with academia, to work in industry associations, even to work with competitors. And so I think this is something that, you know, could be something our, you know, our, our listeners uh, think more carefully about how they could affect. And then that, I think, creating that, that environment of psychological safety we mentioned, there are some things in there. And again, kind of that cross-pollination, getting back to the diversity of ideas, we hear more recently about uh, employee marketplaces and where projects and different departments really are beginning to have access to individuals from different areas of the organization uh, because they're bringing in the perspective that will be valuable to what a, a project or a team is trying to accomplish. And so are there ways to kind of cross-pollinate 
talent within the organization, spread it out a little more, break down these silos of, uh, of communication, if you will, to really have everyone's ideas available to anyone in the organization who may need them. Love it. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. We in HR, we like a task list. So, so that, that was perfect how you went through it and just kind of gave us, okay, check, 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 like paying attention to what we're doing and being real cognizant of it. So that was perfect. Thank you, Mark. And, and we really, you know, AMA really don't focus on innovation per se, uh, but we do provide leaders and managers with the skills to support people to be more innovative, creating this environment of psychological safety, how, uh, and it's about the social and emotional intelligence, I think, of managers and um, helping to develop that so that people on their teams feel like they belong, uh, they have more trust, there's transparency on the team, and, and again, there's that, that freedom to be part of the team. And I mean, this goes for, of course, um, those who are outside of the majority, right? You know, we talk about um, minority groups and um, those who uh, would consider themselves part of the minority. It's critical that their voices are heard as well and that they're brought into these decisions. And um, yeah, and I think, you know, for, for new managers in particular, we, we, we do a lot of uh, work with new managers and many of our programs are focused on helping them to develop these essential managerial behaviors. And I think that's really where it starts in the organization. Yeah, great. some great resources there, Mark. I think one, one of the things that really stood out to me, and I feel like we don't hear as much about it, you know, helping to build the emotional uh, intelligence of our managers, especially new managers is, I heard you say that I was like, oh gosh, yes, that's right. Getting back to that space of how do we manage our emotions in stressful situations? I'm sure people have had a lot of experience with that over the last couple of years. So how can we can, how, like, as you mentioned, AMA being able to support, that's just one of many that you mentioned, but being able to support some of that with our new managers so I have I have like five pages of notes that I've jotted down. I'm hopeful that my uh, our listeners have done the same. So this is really, really poignant for us as we listen in and think about how, you know, what we can do today to continue to thrive and continue to be healthy organizations, like you said, you know, workforce and culture and, and think about innovation from that perspective. So much great information, Mark. Thank you so much. Oh, well, thank you, Cindy. It was my pleasure. Yeah. Any, any last thoughts that you might have before we wrap up here? Well, I'll just say as a, I think I mentioned earlier, I'm in the process of writing the white paper, so we'll have that available to everyone. And I think it's uh, hopefully really kind of crystallize everything that we talked about today, plus. And just that I think it's really important, again, to, to kind of go back to the point I made toward the beginning that in, in successful organizations, really innovation is part of everyone's job. So I think companies can sort of define what that means for their organization. Um, I think they're going to be a long way toward really creating, you know, this this culture of innovation that's so critical for being competitive and growing today. Yeah, a perfect way for us to trail off here. Thank you so much. This has been so great. And I think I can speak for a good portion of folks that are on listening. I think we'll all be looking forward to your white paper. So, so that will be great once that comes out. 
Well, thank you so much, Mark, for being with us today. And of course, thanks to all of the Nine to Thrive listeners. I'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast in your favorite podcast app. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please give us a rating. Your rating helps other professionals and talent-minded people discover our program. For Nine to Thrive HR and all of us here at HCI, we appreciate you for tuning in. Make it a great day, everyone.